Didn't know whether you were waving me off or trying to get my attention. No! Good evening. Sing up. There's just a few of us. I'm doing pretty good. How are you? Where's your better half? <laughs> Somebody sees Bertha. There he is. We'll sing, He Lives. I serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. I know that He is living, whatever men may say. I see His hand of mercy. I hear His voice of cheer. And just the time I need Him, He's always near. He lives, He lives, Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives, He lives, salvation to impart. You ask me how I know He lives. He Gracious, kind, generous, gentle, loving Father. We're so privileged to be able to be here to worship you, to unite our voices and our spirits in song, to praise you, to give you the, the glory that you deserve. Lord, we pray that, that you are pleased with our worship here. That you recognize that our hearts are 
tuned to to listen to your word tonight. We know that John has prepared some wonderful things to share with us, and we pray for your blessing on, on him as he brings that lesson. And we pray for your blessing on us, that our, that our hearts are ready to receive a, a word. We know that, that each one of us needs, needs to be changed more like your son's image. Lord, we know that uh, that's going to happen tonight. Lord, we pray for those who are suffering the loss of loved ones. We're especially mindful of Alvin, and we pray for his comfort. Lord, we're grateful that Bob Caddy is back with us, and there's so many who are uh, recovering from illnesses and very difficult surgeries, and we pray for each one of them. We pray for their family members who are taking care of them. We pray for the those whose lives are impacted by the, the big things that are going on. Lord, we pray for uh, each one who's preaching the gospel in difficult places in the rest of the world. We're especially prayerful for our brother Dennis in Nicaragua and his family and his ministry down there and for all the, the preachers in Zimbabwe who are out in the field and in difficult places. Lots of, lots of challenges, both from nature and from men. Lord, we pray for, for your blessing on all of them, that your word be spread there and throughout the world. Lord, we pray for our efforts here to, to spread the gospel in our community both through the word itself and through good lives and good examples and service to our community. We pray for those that we come in contact with on the, in the food pan, pantry and our other outreaches. We pray that, that they'll see your love operating through us and be drawn to that. Lord, we pray again for um, John as he as he brings us the lesson this evening, and we pray, pray for his uh, being able to deliver it clearly and to, to deliver just, just exactly what he's prepared and what you've laid on his heart. Lord, we pray that you help us to be ready to, to remember your son's sacrifice in the communion that we're about to celebrate. In Jesus' holy name, we pray all these things. Amen. Yeah, prepare a mind for the Lord's Supper. We're saying ivory palaces. My Lord has garments so wondrous fine and
Father, we thank you now for this beautiful day that you've given to us, for this quiet time that we have that we can come here and we can remember Jesus. We can remember the sacrifice that he gave for us. We can remember the life, the example that he gave us to, to follow that we might be able to see you. But at this time, Father, we're, we're, we're especially thankful for this Lord's Supper that we have, that we can have time to, to, to look back and reflect. We pray now that, that you'll bless the bread that represents Christ's body, that we might be able to take it pleasing unto you. In Christ's name we pray. Continuing in thanks, Father, we're thankful for the blood that was shed, for we know that that the the power in the blood is the power that that washes away our sins, and we we know, Father, that this fruit of the vine represents that blood, and as we partake of it, we once again we pray we can take it pleasing unto you, in Jesus' name, Amen. Father, we're thankful for all the blessings that we have in this life. We're thankful for, for our homes. We're thankful for, for our church here. We're thankful for this beautiful building that we have. We're, we're thankful for our neighbors, and we're thankful for, for, for everything that, that you give to us, our health. And at this time, Father, we want to we return a portion of that, that things may continue to grow, and, and we might be a shining light in this in this city. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. If you're able, please stand. We'll sing this and John will deliver the message. Everybody get all... This is a good song to get all blood going on my dad. So when John... Preaches a short sermon. <laughs> it's a phone book back here. It's a sermon. <clears throat> we'll enjoy it. I know that my Redeemer lives in every praise for me. 
Nice to see everybody. I'm glad you're all here. All right. <clears throat> I don't have a whole phone book back here. Or I like I write a lot. I write a lot, okay? But then I get real nervous and I talk real fast, so it's gonna go by pretty quick. <laughs> Does everybody have enough room? <laughs> Oh, you okay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Thank you for your kind attention and coming here tonight. It's really great to see everybody. <clears throat> All right. The human face is like a stage with many actors. Love appears and tells its story. Hate expresses feelings of animosity. Joy glows for but a moment, and grief follows with tears. Confidence walks in sanguine expectation. Despair dejects the countenance. Courage with its buoyancy is followed by cringing cowardice. Pride struts in triumph while humility abases. With all the ups and downs of the human experience, the myriad actors make themselves known for a little while. Then the curtain falls on the show, and we pass away. This leads me to a question, an old question from an old book. Job 14, verse 14. If a man dies, shall he live again? It's an interesting question to ask oneself, is it not? It's a question found in every sob of the bereaved, it's a question that knocks at the door of the weeping heart. After someone dies, can they live again? If that question were to be asked of a Sadducee, their, their answer would be a resounding no. How hopeless, how sad. They didn't believe in the resurrection. We try to disguise death with flowers. Flowers on a casket, a wreath on a door, a beautiful arrangement heaped on a cold grave. We embalm the body to make it look lifelike. We dress the dearly departed up 
but still they're dead, devoid of life. You see, we are not powerful enough to defeat death in and of ourselves. We have lost. Jesus died. Betrayed, denied, beaten, displayed, nailed, hung up, displayed again. Jesus had a front row seat to the human experience. His curtain fell. To make sure the curtain had fallen and the show was over, one of the soldiers pierced his side. The soldiers didn't even break his legs. They were sure the job was done. As the afternoon sun threw lengthening shadows of three crosses down the hillside and the bronze armor of the soldiers reflected its light, a brooding sadness descended upon the disciple named John and a few others close to Christ. They stood there in puzzled grief. Three years before, the master had called Peter and Andrew to be fishers of men. His flame now extinguished, their dreams dashed, their king crucified like a criminal. Their Messiah not sitting on a throne, but hung on a cruel cross. His praises are sung on every Sunday morning all over the world, in church buildings and in private residences. This incredible man was killed like a common thief on a Friday afternoon. The ones that loved him stumbled blindly down the hill, eyes shrink-wrapped in tears, followers of a broken cause. The very picture of people without hope, crushed, defeated, on their faces dwelled the stark and dreadful look of hopeless despair. Earlier, Christ had said, it is finished, in John 19.30. Then he gave up his spirit. I wonder what the guards might have said or thought in that moment. We're not going to hear any more from him. Let his fishermen go back to their nets. He's a dead man. The question in the book of Job, in my opinion, bears repeating. If a man dies, shall he live again? Is that the end of the story with Jesus? What I just said? Are we all just wasting our time tonight? Do you think the story is just an invention? Could you invent that sort of story? And would you invent it that you might be crucified upside down like Peter? Would you invent that story to have your head chopped off like Paul? Would you invent that story to be stoned to death like Stephen? Why would they persist in a lie, knowing that every single time they insisted it were true, they were just nailing their own coffins? John and Peter went to the tomb. They didn't really know what to think until John saw the folded clothes, the mostly empty grave. That was in John 20. When they began to believe in that moment, they were, they were unshakable from that point on, full of certain conviction. What happened? How did that happen? The disciples of Christ must have felt scattered. They must have felt downcast, hopeless, with a sense of tragic loss, but in a relatively short amount of time, they were thrilled and filled with victory. Why did these men suddenly quit their lamenting? 
and pounce upon the world with news of a risen Savior for whom they were willing to suffer any persecution, anything at all. They must have seen something. As it turns out, a man can live after he has died. They were in a position where their love and excitement for Christ outweighed their fear of anything else. I know that my Redeemer lives. I love that song. Thank you for, for leading it, Chuck. Do you believe it tonight? He wills that I should wholly be in word and thought, indeed. Then I his holy face may see when from this earth life freed. Beautiful lyrics. In Revelation chapter 22, verse 4, it says we're going to see his face again. And here on earth, sometimes our vision is obscured by sin. Sorrow can sometimes hinder our understanding. Worldly pursuits dim our true knowledge of him. As Christians, we look to him during our brief stay here. One day it will be more than a passing glance. More than a fleeting vision made by our small human comprehension. And just how shall he appear to us? What expression shall he wear? Hopefully it will be one of welcoming. That'd be great, right? Could we enter heaven with our present feelings? Oppressed by our shortcomings? The accusations of Satan hanging over us? I hope these things vanish when we meet him. I hope they all disappear and the Father sees me clothed in the Son. In Galatians 3.27, it says we put on Christ. In Matthew 25.34, says then the king will say to those on his right, you who are blessed by my Father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I hope to hear that one day. Hopefully his expression toward us would wear the look of love, not merely of clemency, but that of a proud father. Perhaps a look not unlike that of a gentle and compassionate mother, an expression of sympathy for a brother in an hour of adversity, the love depicted on the face of a good companion and trusted friend in a time of weakness, a look of triumph. Sin will be no more. Sin will be no more. Death will be conquered one day. Evil will tremble and be destroyed in the face of Christ, the only man to defeat sin. And he's coming back. And we can't escape him. Try as we might. You go to an art gallery or a museum, you see depictions of him. Great philosophers talk about him. Television has preachers that talk about him. The radio has singers that sing about him. You can't drive more than a few minutes without seeing a bumper sticker or a billboard or hearing something on the radio. They make movies about him. There are musicals about him. I had a cassette tape when I was a boy of Bible stories. And my parents would turn it on as I was falling asleep. Couldn't even get rid of him at bedtime. You know, I, my favorite story on that cassette was the story of Joseph winding up at Potiphar's house and then in front of Pharaoh. I couldn't even get rid of him in the depths of my alcoholism. You see, no one, no one will adopt a regime for living which forbids willful sinning until and unless they admit to their innermost selves that continuing to sin will kill them. 
Our sin, I've said this before up here, our sin doesn't make us bad people. Our sin makes us dead. When I, when I began drinking on a regular basis, destructively, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I was doing. I just knew that in general I felt kind of bad. Like all the time, I just didn't feel good. I felt like I didn't fit in. And I found, I found this thing that made me feel better. I was trying to fill this God-sized hole in my heart. And nothing else can fill that but God. I tried. I really tried. I spent a lot of money trying. You know, I, I got into AA and I started hearing all these wonderful things about how I needed to change. Because the devil, the devil will settle for me just not drinking. He'll be just fine with it. I need to be doing something. I need to be growing. I need to be talking to people about Christ. I need to be inviting people here. I need to be growing. I, I can't just stay that same person. My best thinking will wind me up in hell. <clears throat> and all throughout that time, all that destructive drinking, all, all those times I, could, I took any drug I could get my hands on, there he was. There he was waiting for me. I couldn't get away from him. You know how many church buildings I drove by on the way to get drunk? Too many. That's how many. Who is this man that I couldn't get out of my head? What was he? That's the real question. Jesus Christ, who are you? Are you who you said you are? We can't escape it. We try to run from him, but there he is. He keeps popping up everywhere. We know he was a man, a little bit more than that, wasn't he? We know he got hungry. We know he got thirsty. We know he got tired. We know he had the joys of friendship. We know he wept over a dead loved one. We know he calmed the sea. We know he drove out demons. We know he made the lame to walk again and caused the blind to see. We know he had the real human experience. Yet he never sinned. There hasn't been a trial or temptation that you've been through that Jesus hasn't, and he overcame them all. He is greater than us. He existed before us. In John 1.1, 1, 1. was he who he claimed to be, the son of the living God? In Matthew 16, he asked, who do you say that I am? The disciples answered, some say John the baptizer. Some say Elijah or Jeremiah or another prophet. Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus said that God revealed this to you, Peter. Another question I have for you tonight, what has God revealed to you in this life? Has his word revealed things to you? Perhaps a certain song has touched you emotionally. Maybe it's the outstretched hand of someone coming to the rescue in a time of need. He wasn't just another revolutionary. 
the ethics that this man taught. When you get hit, turn the other cheek. A little bit different. Forgive 70 times seven. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. He taught a revolution in the way we are to think and live. He taught that it isn't just outward action that God judges, but our inward thoughts as well. He used the powerful imagery of parables to teach. Never, never has a man spoken like that before or since. And how do we come to know this man? Romans 10, 17 says faith comes by hearing. We accept him by faith. And what is our response to this newly developed faith? Very popular verse in the Church of Christ, Acts 2.38, right? It says a reasonable response upon hearing about Christ is, is baptism, an outward expression of an inward decision that we have made, one to follow him. He forgives our sins. He gives us his spirit. He has made a way for us. Who is Jesus he is the miracle worker. He is the promise keeper. He's our light in the darkness. He's here touching and healing every heart as we speak. He's turning lives around. That's who he is. His love is strong. His grace is free. And he can do for you what he has done for me. This evening, this evening, do you find yourself with a problem? A problem with sin or otherwise? Have pride or envy or wrath or lust found their way into your life? Do they have their hooks in you? Are they not letting go so easily? There is a solution. I don't think any of us really enjoy the self-searching and the leveling of our pride, but we're not alone. We're never alone. We don't have to go through that process of discovering alone. Have you come to believe in the hopelessness and futility of a selfish and self-centered life? For those of us here tonight that have Christ, the great fact for us is just this and nothing less, that we've had deep and effective spiritual experiences that have revolutionized our whole attitude toward life, toward our fellows, toward God's universe. Our creator has entered into our hearts and lives in a way which is indeed miraculous. He has commenced to accomplish those things for us which we could never, ever do by ourselves. Now, I don't know about you, but for a while, for me, life seemed kind of impossible. And it seemed like my only two options were to slowly drink and drug myself to death or to just kill myself quickly. But people reached out to me. And I, I have no doubt that God put it on their heart to reach out to me. There's not a doubt in my mind. There's another way when it feels like those walls are closing in. There's grace available to you when your heart is under fire and never ever forget that he sent the darkness running scared out of an empty grave. Never forget that. He reigns above it all, above it all. And you're not alone, he is with you and so are we, we're all together tonight. In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing a song. And if you need anything at all, 
Come up front, we'll sit down and talk about it. And you won't be alone, we'll get through it together. Thank you for your attention, let's stand and sing. Thank you, John. I always enjoy John speaking. I've heard him speak many times since he was a teenager, actually. So it's always a, it's always a good job. He always continues to grow and amaze. Uh, John's got a good insight on things. I appreciate that very much. Grab yourself a bulletin if you can. I think there's some out there still. So anyways, there's some. I'll give you some updates on some of the sick, in particular, people who need prayers. Uh, Kathy Eggleston, her mom had a heart attack in West Virginia, and her mom's in ICU. Kathy and uh, Gracie are both up there, so that's a good thing. But anyways, pray for them. Uh, Steve's dad, Steve Sr., as we know him, uh, did he get to the hospital today? Doesn't think so. He's supposed to go, but sometimes, you know how dads are and they get a little stubborn sometimes. Uh, he's, got back, he's got back pain, it's pretty bad, and he needs to take care of that. Like I said, you know how dads are, I'm a dad myself, so we'll get that way. Um, Glenda Massey had a ruptured varicose vein. Uh, she had surgery on Friday. Uh, she was kept overnight due to blood loss. That's about what I know. But uh, Roseanne's got more information? Okay, so she's still in the hospital and she may come home tomorrow. Okay, she may. That's how it goes. A lot of stuff going on with Glenda. Yeah. So I'll pray for Glenda and Tommy. Uh, reach out to them if you can. Nancy Aggie was in the hospital with severe stomach pain. Um, she also had a knee replacement recently and is supposed to start therapy on that. So anyways, pray for Nancy. I think that's my sick list right there. Um, thanks to Chris and the work party that cleaned up. I know over here in the driveway, did some pressure washing, clean up stuff. 
Uh, the mess with the hurricanes is still, it's, you know, there's more to do. So unless the enchanted chipmunks come and take care of that, there's more to do. So if you're interested in that, pick up some palm fronds and some oak limbs. So thanks for that. Um, Thanksgiving devotional on Wednesday night. We're going to have a Thanksgiving devotional right here instead of our normal Bible class. So if you can be part of that. It's usually a it's heartwarming thing. It's a family it's a family type thing. It's a, it's a good way to start your Thanksgiving holiday. There will be no ladies class this Wednesday and they will resume on November 30th. There's a whole list of things in the bulletin on them. Um, food pantry is tomorrow. Tomorrow. So they got, if you can help, be here. They always need help. So food pantry is tomorrow. I think that's about it for what I know. Okay, so Wednesday night's the Thanksgiving devotional, and uh, have a great Thanksgiving until we meet again. If you're able, please stand. We'll sing about victory in Jesus and then have our closing prayer. I heard an old, old story, how a Savior came from glory, how he gave his life on Calvary to save a wretch like me. I heard about his groaning, of his precious blood's atoning, then I repented of my sins and won the victory. to step on Doug's uh, toes, but I do want to remind you that there are names out in the foyer for those that wish to get a Christmas gift for the, the children over at Mount Dora. So if you want to pick one up, they're out there in the foyer. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that we've been able to come together to worship you, to fellowship and encourage one another and to hear these messages from your word. Father, we thank you for both of them. We thank you for Mike and John and their efforts in 
and the quality of the message that they brought. Help us, Father, to apply those things to our lives that we might live closer to you. Father, we pray for those of our number that are struggling with health problems. There are several. We pray especially for Kathy Eggleston's mother. We pray for Sandy Tagto and for Glenda and for um, Nancy Eggie. I pray for Gail that she uh, goes to the doctor tomorrow that she'll find some answers to her problems. Father, we pray for those of our number that are still mourning the loss of loved ones, especially during this holiday week. Uh, it's often difficult for them as they think about the losses they've had, and especially we pray for the Nobles family and for Alvin in their losses, comfort them. Father, we pray that as we leave this place, that you'd go with us, that you'd help us to take you with us wherever we go. Guide us in all that we do. In Jesus' holy name, amen.